Welcome to Your Journey to Greatness Through Routine, a podcast designed to help you build a success routine. My name is Michelle Steffes, and I'm author of the book, and I'm excited to come to you today with more insights and ideas to accomplish your success routine, because it's not the big things we do, but the little things we do every day that make the biggest difference. So let's get on with the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast on navigating chaos, those who won in adversity. And so we've been talking about ways in which we can navigate through chaos and win on the other side despite the adversity that comes against us. And all of us face adversity in our lives. Some of it is personal adversity, some professional, uh, some cultural And so I'm trying to kind of hit on all cylinders here and covering each of these by choosing different individuals who push through chaos, who push through the adversity that they had to face and came out on the other side winning in some way, shape, or form. Doesn't necessarily mean that there's always going to be happy endings or that they are going to have no issues in the middle because... Frankly, if you're going to push through chaos, if you're going to win, there's definitely going to be bumpy roads along the way. And so my intention is to help you to cope with those, to make good decisions, how to get on the other end of it. So we talked uh, yesterday about Helen Keller, the day before Nelson Mandela. Um, In the first day of of this uh, series, we talked about Abe Lincoln. Today, I want to focus in on a wonderful uh, person. Um, and I hope I don't say her name wrong, but Malala Yousafzai. Oh goodness, I probably did not say her name right. Um, anyway, we'll call her Malala, um, and she is from Pakistan. And her story is quite riveting. So I'm just going to read this from her bio that I found on biographyonline.net. And I think you're going to be quite fascinated with the story. In 2009, Malala began writing an anonymous blog for the BBC expressing her views on education and life under the threat of the Taliban taking over her valley. It was her father suggesting his own daughter to the BBC, and she wrote under the byline, Gumakai. During this period, the Taliban's military hold on the area intensified, and at times, Malala reported hearing artillery from the advancing Taliban forces. As the Taliban took control of the area, they issued edicts banning television, music, women from going shopping, and limiting women's education. Many girls' schools were blown up as a consequence. Uh, Pupils stayed home, scared of possible reprisals from the Taliban. However, for a time, there was a brief respite when the Taliban stated girls could receive primary education if they wore burqas. Uh, But a climate of fear prevailed, and Malala and her father began to receive death threats for their outspoken views. As a consequence, Malala and her father began to fear for their safety. Her father once considered moving Malala outside of a SWAT to a boarding school, but Malala did not want to leave. Uh, she said, I, I didn't know why, but I was but hearing I was targeted did not worry me. It seemed that, that everybody knows me will die anyways. Uh, when her father suggested they stop the campaigns for human rights, Malala said, how can we do that? And so then, after the BBC block had ended, Malala featured a documentary uh, made in the New York Times reporter, um, made by the uh, New York Times reporter Adam Ellick. She also received greater international coverage. So on and on this goes, but the, but what happened is um, her increased profile and strident criticism of the Taliban caused the leaders to meet, and in 2012 they voted to kill her, which is quite sad. 
So on October 9, 2012, a masked gunman entered her school bus and asked, which one of you is Malala? Speak up, otherwise I'll shoot you all. Malala was identified and she was shot with a single bullet, which went through her head, her neck, and her shoulder. Two other girls were also injured, though not as badly as Malala. Somehow she survived the initial shooting but was in critical condition. Her father was convinced she would die and told the village to prepare for a funeral. Her critical organs were failing and she developed an infection. In a coma, she was moved to a hospital. Later on, in, on the 15th of October, she was transferred to Birmingham of the, in the United Kingdom for further treatment as a specialist hospital. A couple of days later, she came out of the coma and responded well to treatment. So she was discharged on January 3, 2013 and moved to her family, moved with her family to a temporary home in the, in the West Midlands. And then she wrote a book. Um, and for some uh, strange reason, she managed to live through all of that um, which is pretty incredible, but um, she wrote that she didn't have any bitterness about uh, or desire for revenge. She said, my only regret was that I hadn't had a chance to speak to them before they shot me. Now they'll never get to hear what I had to say. I, I didn't even think a, a, a single bad thought about the man who shot me. I have no thoughts of revenge. I just want to go back. I want, I want to go home, she said. Wow. This is pretty impressive. And, of course, the article goes on talking about some other great things that she went on to do, the fight that she continued to have for the rights of others. And uh, she was relentless. I mean, here she's just a young girl, uh, 14 when it all started, 16. She was just a teenager. But she stood through it all, and she managed to make an impact in so many lives. So with that, I want to talk today about where do we start? How do we start making an impact, leaving a legacy like Malala? I mean, obviously, I don't think any of us would face the circumstances she did. And, and I don't know, I'm speaking globally because I know this pod podcast goes to the world. So I could be speaking to somebody that does face uh, situations like Malala. But I want to encourage you, okay, as Teddy Roosevelt said, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing um, is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. Um, let new ideas take root. Okay. Explore. Uh, uh, check yesterday's assumptions. Don't, don't rely on, on, on what made you successful, but, but no longer works. Always take risks. Move forward. Start now. Uh, the worst baggage we can carry is baggage of regret from a, a, from a past that, 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 that really no longer lives anymore. Set goals that are specific and attainable. Then break them down into manageable pieces, one step at a time. Pass As, as you pass each milestone, build confidence and, and create momentum for yourself. And allow yourself to move forward despite the risks that, that are in front of you. Doing the things that you know you need to do. Okay, And don't lose sight of your main goal by focusing on the wrong things. Take a wide-angle view of each challenge. These are all tips that I want to encourage you to do. The only way that you can ever make it to your destiny, to what you believe that you are called to do, is to push through despite the adversity, expect the adversity, and be willing to take risks. Well, this is Michelle Steffes, your journey to greatness through routine, signing off for today. Tomorrow we'll come back with another story and more incredible tips and ideas on how you can move forward into your destiny and overcome adversity. Thank you for joining me.